Don't let averageness push you over, but push on into what God has for you. Amen. So we see here that uh, that the, the 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 sons of the prophets of Elisha, the, because what had happened was there was the sons of the prophet of Elijah, and when Elisha became the prophet after Elijah's uh, descent, ascent, uh, that all the sons of the prophets began to be up underneath Elisha, and they he began to pour in them and to teach them, and all of a sudden the place that they were in began to be too small. It began to be too small because there was so much attraction to coming and finding their purpose uh, right up underneath Elisha that they had to expand the walls and begin to rebuild. How do you know that's a great thing for the kingdom? Amen. And so we begin to see there that there was a, 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 a smallness. There was a thing to where they were enlarging. They had outgrown their circumstances. They had outgrown. Somebody say outgrown. They had outgrown their circumstances. And I want to, I want to tell you something tonight that for most of us, this is where we're at. Most of us have outgrown our circumstances. Most of us have outgrown our situations, that there is more inside of most of us. Uh, most of us, I mean, when you think about it, even when you go to work, do you really give 100%? Do you really, when you come into the house of God, do you really give 100% into worship? As a father, as a husband, as a mother, do you truly give 100% of your effort? But you have somehow, if you're anything like me, that you have figured out how to give just enough effort to make that day go by. That you just give 30% of your effort. You give 30% of your effort to your job and you smoothly, you just stay underneath the radar. You don't want nothing going too high, but you don't want nothing going too low. As long as I can stay underneath the radar. And how do you know we do that a lot in life, if we would just be honest? We give just enough to our kids. We give just enough to our relationships. We don't give every single thing we have. And what that shows shows me is we're smarter than we give credit to. We are smarter than what we give credit to because if we're smart enough to give somebody 30%, but it looks like my full hundred percent, if I can give you 40%, but I'm still holding on to much. How many of the Bible says that Jesus said, he said in a parable about the talents, he said, I come and I give one person, one talent. I gave one person, five talents. I gave another person, 10 talents. He says, but what you do with it, he says, there, I will judge you upon And so the reality is God has given us much, but what we do is we hide or hold on or hold back out of fear and refuse to give too much. Because if I worship with just a hundred percent, people on the next row might not understand my praise. So I praise because the capacity of what's around me, I see people worshiping a certain way. Uh, so what will happen is I know that I have more worship inside of me, but because I don't want to stand out, I don't give my full hundred percent. I just give my 10% or my 20% and I worship like everybody else. I become molded into what everybody else is. Uh, have you ever been? 
even been at work to where you don't want to give too much because if you give too much, you're a brown noser. You, you're a goody goody. You're too much. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? So you fold into what everybody else is doing, knowing that there is more inside of you. And sometimes we don't give enough because we don't, because we don't become recognized for what we give. And so because I wasn't recognized last time, why give that much effort? Come on now. If I worshiped a lot and I worshiped out of faith, but nothing happened in my life, then God, I'm going to hold back my worship because the last time I worshiped you like this, the last time I praised like this, the last time I gave like this, God, you didn't move to my expectation of faith. And so what we do is we become restrained in what we give out to other people if we're honest with ourselves. And so what happens is because we're smarter than we give credit to a lot of times we become bored in our situations well a lot of times we have outgrown our situations so we become bored in our situations and i don't know about you there's nothing more dangerous than bored people the bible says where there is no vision there there is where people perish because when you have no vision over a thing a lot of times our vision is just getting through the day can I just teach you here tonight? Our vision is just get through the situation. Come on now. If I can just make it home and nothing go wrong, and if I can just put my feet up enough, and I don't give too much effort, and as long as the kids don't act too crazy, and the wife don't act too much, and as long as I can just kick back and do what I want, that's my vision for the day. But I don't have vision beyond that. So my relationships, my job, my life, my worship, my relationship with God becomes boring and dull in my life. Because we've outgrown our situations. A lot of times people think uh, that they have outgrown it because they have excelled it. And they have, uh, they have excelled to a thing. They have put their all into a thing. And yes, there are them circumstances where, yes, you do excel. But if we were honest, most of us would have to realize there is more inside of us that we could give to relationships, that we could give to the church, that we could give to God, that we could give to our jobs. But because we're not, we're bored and frustrated in our lives. We're bored and frustrated in our lives. We become dull in our life. And there's nothing in our lives that is more dangerous than just being dull. Being waxed over. Uh, you have to understand that the Bible begins to talk about being waxed. We become, begin to talk about being waxed in our lives. It says trudging in our strength through our daily routines can make us increasingly dull, ineffective, even dangerous. We're not being effective. We're not doing the things that God has called us to do. He begins to speak here about being waxed over in the Bible. Dull and waxed over are the exact same terminology. So when you see waxed, it means dull in the, in the word of God. So we begin to see here in Genesis chapter 18, it says, Sarah laughed at what the Lord had spoken to her because she had become waxed in her age. In 2 Samuel, it says that after fighting with the Philistines, David became waxed in his strength. Jeremiah chapter 49, Damascus became waxed over feeble from pain. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus spoke and he says, some of these hearts have become waxed over or dull and their ears have become dull and their eyes have become closed, not releasing the salvation and healing he has 
for them. And so because we're not giving the thing that God has for us and we're swinging about things dull, God cannot release a a, a blessing, a turnaround, a breakthrough in our lives because we're just walking around bored. We're walking around waxed over. We're walking around just giving just enough effort into things. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, he says, If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings about success. He says, If the axe is dull, one must and does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. Have you ever noticed in life that when we don't give to our full potential, in the long run, we end up having to use more strength out of us because we don't give enough love into relationships that we know that we have the capacity to give. In the long run, we end up having to give more out than just staying sharp every day. Abraham Lincoln said this. He says, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, he said, I will spend four hours of it sharpening my axe. But have you know, most of us would run, grab the axe, run to the tree and start swinging. But he said, being an experienced woodsman, experienced cutter, he said, I will spend four hours of it sharpening my tools, sharpening my axe before I ever get started. But how do you know most of us never want to take the time to do the dull things, to do the things that are, that are mundane, to do the things that are routine. But because of that, we end up giving more strength into these things. The church is the gateway for God's voice here in this earth. The church is, is the gateway for God's voice in this earth. But fasting and prayer is the gateway for the believer, for the supernatural to release in our life. And so the Bible says also that Jesus said, some things shall not go out by prayer and by fasting. So the reality is for God's voice, not just to speak, but for the supernatural to begin to open up over top of our region and our ministry in our own life. Fair, fasting and prayer has got to be a part of our lives that we continually begin to sharpen within us, that we can continually to let God work in and out of us so that his voice can speak into this earth. I don't know about you, if you begin to understand this, that, that fasting is a lost art in the church anymore. I work with many people, and, and, and people are many different denominations, but all Christians and most people do not fast. They've never heard a single teaching on fasting. They've never once in their life ever fasted. Have you ever had people that had to fast for lab work? And I'm telling you, they fasted for 10 hours, but they feel like they need to run to Bob Evans within a few moments. Come on now. I mean, as soon as their blood work's done, they're ready to run to Bob Evans after 10 hours. Because there's something about personal sacrifice where we deny ourselves and begin to put others first, begin to put God's presence in our life first to where it's a lost art. And we wonder why the anointing of God is not as strong as it is. 
If we want the anointing in our life, if we want the power of God in our life, if we want breakthroughs in our life, if we want turnarounds in our life, we can't just shout about it. We can't just dance about it. But we've got to get on our knees and begin to deny some things in our life to say, God, I want you, God. God, I have a situation, God, that is so urgent, God, that, God, I won't get up from this thing, God. God, that nothing is more important than God seeking your face God until this situation happens somebody shout amen so Jesus knowing that the supernatural presence release in this earth was too fasting that even Jesus himself fasted for 40 days before he ever went into ministry I'm talking about the son of God I'm talking about God incarnate here on this earth the one that could speak his words and all things begin to happen he says but before I ever do a miracle before I ever step into my arena before my pulpit before my platform before my business I'm going to seek God for 40 days and 40 nights and I I don't know about you if you know the end of the story that when he stepped into the Jordan the same Jordan River that we're talking about here with Elisha when he stepped into the into that presence the power of God fell on his life and he was empowered to do what it was in front of him you want to know why we fast in the beginning of the year because we're fasting now We're setting aside a time in our life and this short moment in time will have a lasting effect over top of things that we're going to face this year. Things that will rise, things that will come up. We'll be able to get in the word of God and the word be so sharp inside of us that no matter what the enemy throws our way, we're already walking with the hedge of protection, with the anointing endued with power. And we can say, devil, I've already been in his presence. There is nothing that you can throw at me that's too big but devil I rebuke you and you got to go over top of 2015 in my life in my family's life in my business so you got to go because I've already been in his presence amen so we begin to see that you have to understand that fasting is not a requirement it is a choice you don't have to fast to be saved all you got to do is accept Jesus' blood, him as your, as your creator, your savior, your redeemer. And guess what? You're saved. But how do you know if you want more in your life, you've got to go after more. You've got to put aside things. And how do you know it's time that we grow up and press into God? It's Wednesday night. We can talk like that, right? It's time to grow up and press into things and say, God, I'm going to deny myself because, God, there are things that I want. There are things, God, that, God, not even just for myself, but for my family, for this ministry, God, that's not going to come until I seek you. So we begin to see that they had outgrown their situation. They had outgrown their situation. And instead of staying content in their situation, like most of us would, outgrown the relationships, outgrown the business, outgrown our daily efforts. He said, let us go down and rebuild and make something bigger. How do we know it's time in our lives that we rebuild some things in our lives? 
that we begin to rebuild situations. The Bible says that he'll give us double for our trouble. Everything that the palmer worm and the locusts and everything that the enemy has taken away from us. But how do you know we got to go down and rebuild some things and say, God, I don't want to be content in my little box. I don't want to be content in my little situation. But God, I know that greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Amen. So we're going to see there that what's the odd thing is here, the, 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 one of the sons of the prophets said, I'll go down and begin to get the wood. The son of the prophet, the one that had a prophetic gift on his life. I'm talking about he was gifted to speak words of knowledge into other people. He was gifted to speak prophetically into the air. He was, he was anointed to bring about miracles because that same thing that was on Elijah, the same thing that was on Elisha now was on him. But he said, I'll go down and cut the wood. I guarantee you that when he signed up for ministry classes, the last thing that he ever thought he would be doing was swinging an axe and building a building. But how do you know that when your word don't match up to your world, you got to keep on swinging your axe? That whatever situation you're in, when it don't match up to the word that's inside of you, you got to do whatever's put in front of you. Because the Bible said, if I'll be faithful to a small thing, he'll make me ruler over a many thing. And I want to let you know right now that if your world don't match up with your word, just keep on pressing, keep on swinging the axe, keep on getting before God. And I guarantee you that all of a sudden God will begin to turn around a thing and begin to turn around and your word will now match up your world. But you got to keep on swinging and say, God, I'll keep on sharpening my axe. It may not be my time to be on the platform. It may not be my time for promotion. It may not be my time for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. It may not be my time for my finances to grow, but God, I'm going to sharpen my axe in this time that God, when it is my time, baby, I'm coming out swinging because I've been practicing with the lions and with the bears and when the giant stands in front of me and I'm on center stage with the platform baby you best believe that I got a sharp axe that will cut the enemy down every single time of my life and I want to encourage you maybe you got a dumb boss an ignorant boss one that's just putting you down and rejecting you sharpen your sword right now sharpen your edge begin to sharpen your skills because you know what's inside of you. You know what you're talented in. And Joseph, if nobody else believes in it, if it's only you and God, just keep on believing no matter what prison you're in, no matter what dungeon you're in, just keep on sharpening your gift. Just keep on sharpening your talent. Keep on sharpening your worship. Keep on sharpening your sword and see if God don't begin to move inside of you. Amen. You have to begin to understand there that he wants effort. He said, I need one to go down and one spoke up and said, I'll be the one to go down. Have you know, God is just looking for one to go down 
and do what he's called us to do. He's not looking for many. He's not looking for everybody. I look what Bishop says all the time. He says, we're not called to save everybody, but we're called to save somebody. Come on now. And when you realize who your somebody is around you, having know you can be effective in your seasons. You can be effective that when everybody else is dried up, when everybody else is in dry heat and recession, that you can stand with a word that is as smooth as honey and you can say, I've been in the presence of God. I've been sharpening my sword. Now here's a word for you. He's just looking for that one vessel that'll stand up. We begin to see that here he began to work and things did not go as planned. And have, you know, a lot of times in our life, nothing goes as planned. And all, all of a sudden that everything that he had worked for, he was swinging that ax, going at it. And all of a sudden the ax head fell into the water. The ax head fell into the water. And the very first thing he did, I don't know about you, most of us would be ashamed. Most of us would hang our head. Most of us, uh, especially if they're like my teenage children, they would act like somebody stole the ax. <laughs> that was funnier than what people laughed. I thought. <laughs> they, they would be ashamed of what happened. But the first thing he did was cried out for Elisha. The very first thing he cried out for what had been lost in his life. Instead, having no, as long as you stay in denial about your situation, having no, your situation is never going to change. And as long as he stayed in denial about that axe head, it was always going to stay at the bottom of that river. It was always going to be sunken. It was always going to be destroyed. And nothing bigger in his life and in the people around him's life was going to be rebuilt. But when he began to cry out, it got the master's attention. Somebody say the master's attention. And I don't know about you, I'm reminded of blind Bartimaeus that he could not see the master walking by. He could not see the throngs of the people, but he sensed that something great was around him walking by. And the first thing that he began to do was cry out and say, Father, he said, Master Jesus, Son of God. He began to cry out and have you know when there are things in our life that are lost, rather than sink our heads, rather than lose our worship, we need to have a cry inside of us. We need to have a thirst inside of us. We need to begin to have a hunger inside of us that says, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I've got to get the master's attention because I have lost some things in my life. And if I don't get them back, they're not just going to affect me, but they're going to affect people around me. They're going to affect destinies. They're going to affect purpose. They're going to affect vision. But if I cry out long enough, the master Master's attention is going to get caught and he's going to hear my cries and he's going to say, son, what is it you need? He cried out long enough. And I like it because Elisha came down and performed the miracle. Elisha came down and performed the supernatural. But he said to him, you go pick it up. He said to him, I've performed the supernatural, but I'm not going to put it in your hand. He said, you've got to go down and put it back in your own hands. 
And how do you know there are some things in our life that God wants us to do? There are some things in our life that God will not do for us. He cannot pray for us. He cannot fast for us. He cannot worship for us. He cannot come to the house of God for us. He cannot allow the fruits to grow inside of us. He says, but those things are your choice. He said, but if you'll let me move in the supernatural and you do your part, you watch and see if everything that's been swimming away from you, the things that's been running away from you, the things that you've lost in your life, the things that have the things that have left you and rejected you, you watch and see when you reach out and do your part, the very thing that you could not grab a hold of, watch and see if that thing don't start swimming back to you. Because I'm reminded of when David said, surely, he said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I like it because he does not leave him in the valley of death. But by the end of the chapter, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Meaning my whole life, I've been seeking after goodness. My whole life, I've been seeking after mercy. He says, but now there's going to be a turnaround. There's going to be a breakthrough that now I ain't going to have to chase it, but now it's going to chase me. Now I'm not going to have to run after things. I'm not going to have to run after promotion. I'm not going to have to run after relationships. I'm not going to have to run after breakthroughs. But the thing I've been chasing my whole life, the things that I even lost, now God's going to have a turnaround in my life. And now those things are going to come and overtake me. They're going to chase me down and open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Why? Because I got in his presence and I sharpened my axe. I refuse to say wax. I refuse to stay dull. I refuse to stay content. I refuse to stay bored. But said, I, God, I'm not getting out of this situation until you turn this thing around. And the thing I've been chasing now will chase me. That's why it's important. Because I'm telling you this, if we, listen to me, even as the tabernacle prays, we have done great things. We have done wonderful things. The church has grown leaps and bounds and leadership has been drawn to this place. And people and families have been drawn to this place and leadership is in place. But if we're ever going to go to the next level, we cannot be content. But we got to get so uncontent with our flesh that we say, God, I want to see see the next level. I want to see breakthroughs. I want to see blinded eyes opened up. I want to see deaf ears opened up. I want to see the addicts saved. I want to see people with broken hearts come into his presence. I want to see families restored. I want to see this region making it hard to go to hell. But I've got to get so content with my flesh and say, God, let me get outside this box and let me go and re build this place in this region for you but God is not going to come until I push back my flesh and I seek after you somebody shout amen so three things you got to do you got to have a made up mind you got to have a made up mind number two it takes effort and number three 
It takes action for where opportunity exists. Number two, you got to confess what you've lost. Listen to me, you got to have a made up mind. You're never going to make it through day one if you don't have a made up mind. But I want to let you know something. The devil has a made up mind to kill, steal, and destroy you. <laughs> but the Bible says he comes to come and give life and that life more abundantly. But how many know there are some things that are not going to happen except by fasting and by prayer? There are some things, and I don't know about you, I don't want 2015 to be the same as, listen, we had great years in 2014. Even as our family, we've seen great things turn around and happen and begin to be restored. But how many know this is a new year, a new day? And the Bible says his mercy and his grace is new every day. And I want to begin to press into this year. And I, we want to see breakthroughs happen that, that God begins to use us. You've got to have a make-up mind. The Bible says, for as a man thinketh, so he'll be. You've got to make up in your mind this year is not going to be the same as last year. You know what? Maybe your business did more than it ever did in years past. Determine this year we're going to break records that we did last year. You know what? Maybe you got promoted and maybe you went to the next level in 2014. Start setting your eyes on the next level. Thank God for the promotion. Thank God, but don't be content till you're the CEO. Don't be content until you're the boss in charge. Don't be content. Come on now. We, we've accepted so much in our lives. We've accepted our kids going to hell. We've accepted them being in places that they should not be. We've accepted these things in our life, but we've, and listen, you can talk to your blue in the face, but there's something about when the anointing grabs a hold of that child. And the reality is we've got to get uncontent with our worship and with our praise. God is wanting to take us. Listen, the vision was cast last year and 200 people got saved, but what is God going to do this year? Thank God for 200 souls that were saved last year, but God wants to save more. God wants to continue until everybody's saved. Amen? Stand with me this afternoon. Listen, I don't know where you're at with your fast. I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you, keep sharpening your axe.